The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to the Friday edition of Brutal Nation. Podcast series dedicated to lesser known serial killers and acts of true crime. I am your host, Scott Alexander, and since she complained last time, right across from me is the one, the only, the illustrious, the queen of the Sasquatches, lord of the Squatches of Mount Hood, Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tammy. Come on, in your native tongue. I've been trying to get you to do it. No. Hello, everybody. No, that's not it. You know, <laughs> you know how to say it in, in Sasquatch. We go. Rawr. Is that how they say it? Actually, it's Morton. I'm not. Yeah, because you, know. you, you know. See, you didn't see, do it right. Because you know how to say it in your native tongue. Ah. I'm uh, not even going to humor you. <laughs> so we're on a fetish Friday, which you've now taken away from me, apparently forever. No, I will let you have the next one if I can have the one after that. Yeah, you get episode 100. I do. quickly which coming ep- up. Episode 100. Actually, that's, I was going to plug that one too, but um, episode 100 is coming up in two weeks, um, but it actually might be a two-parter. Oh, wow. But cool. But still, yeah, it's, um, it's a personal case for me. No, that I do know. So I, I do everybody know. should pay it. Stay tuned for that one. It's very, very personal for me. Stay looney tuned. Stay looney tuned. No. Yeah, it'll answer a lot of questions about me. No, about why I do this. Oh, yeah. So. No, that, I, I agree. Yeah. I, that, I very so. much agree. But yeah, so that'll be episode 100. But, you know. I forgot to tell everybody this week that I got my third letter from my man. You did get your my third man letter crush. from him. I was I, I this letter really blew me away. It, it it blew me away too because there's a lot of personal information in there. Yeah. Um of stuff that with all the research that we've done. Yeah. Um especially me on Kearney that you, nobody knows. Yeah. That you can't read at all. Yeah, none. And uh we had mentioned the uh the handout lines. The what? Oh, yeah, the hand. Yeah. And so Tammy and I speculated at why he was doing this. But apparently some people collect these things and then resell them. Yeah. And he just thought that I was like another seller or something like that at first. And I explained to him, no, no, because what I said was true. I want to know you as a person. Yeah. We're not here for monetary gain for. And I will tell you as a person, and I've said this before, I really like Patrick as a person. Once again, I understand that he is a serial killer, boys and girls, and he did horrific crimes. Yeah. But as a person, if I take that out of the equation, yeah, I really like him. Yeah, he's been nothing but cordial and polite. Um, some great stories about his personal life before he went to prison. Yeah, uh, even some stuff from when he was there. Was it, you mm-hmm. know what was right there in prison or is in prison because he's still he's you know, still freak. in prison. Yeah. Um, just a fantastic guy, and I actually quite look forward to. I got to write him back. Yeah. And I'm sending him you know, some pictures of me and things like that uh, from performances and yeah. and all that good stuff. And then I got to get some pictures of you and I'll send that to him. But he's not going to like you as much he as will. me. He'll love me more. No. He's going to be like, that's a woman and a Sasquatch and I like guys. He can still admire me for who I am. Yeah. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> uh, get your microphone like down. You just don't in, even in know how spot. to... 
you don't even know how to accept the fact that I'm the best. I admire your, uh, yeah. Mr. Pretty over there. I am gorgeous. Anywho. <laughs> no, but yeah, so episode 100 is coming up. And I, I actually can't wait. I was getting a little emotional writing it up a little earlier. That's but, why. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I was getting a little emotional about it. but um, I was wondering why you were getting, you're all emotional. Because I came in from uh, yeah, my. Yeah, you ran some errands. Some errands. Well, specifically my waxing appointment. Yeah. Um, you know, and I come in and you're like all upset. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. But, I, yeah. Wasn't, I wasn't upset. It was just emotional for me. No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So that'll be an emotional episode too. But yeah. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to need drugs for that shit. Mm. I don't deal with emotions. Nah. Very well. All right. So let on me. You ready? Ready, willing, okay. and able to hear about your fetishy stuff. This, well, this one's a weird one, but... Um, is, it, is it very sexy? No. it's. Mm. I mean, I, I can't even... T- I don't even know how ah. to explain it without giving it all away. Okay, go for um, it. Danny Rowling, he's all, also known as the Gainesville Ripper. Uh, he seemed to have a tortured soul. Is that since, from Florida? Yeah. Okay, that, I, I just want to make sure yeah. we're talking about the same Gainesville. Yeah, seemed to have a tortured soul since... the time he was born um his life was anything but happy um so as an adult he chose to inflict that pain upon others um makes uh, sense yeah unfortunately the abuse he suffered was so horrifying and his victims had to endure it as well um in three days danny had a murderous rampage that left five college students murdered um in university of florida gainesville area uh, normally, he would be considered a spree killer. However, details later emerged that have him listed on our serial killer list. And I'll get into Ooh, that here in a minute. Nice. Yeah, his crimes and the subsequent aftermath smart, sparked the imaginations of everyone who heard the story. Um, I don't have it in my notes, but I'll share it a little later on what that meant. Um, there's one important aspect of this case that some people have a hard time believing. Um, the authorities didn't know Danny was a killer. Um, he had been arrested on a completely unrelated charge of burglary in a separate case before, and then he was in custody on that case when they received a tip about a pre- another case, and that's when they started looking into him, and they found some information that made, that um, he ended up being one of the most horrific murderers in Florida history. Holy, that's seen a lot because it's, yeah. it's Florida. Yeah. And Florida, as we've pointed out in our well, other Bobby show. Because Bobby Joe Long's from Florida. Right. And he had some horrible murders. And, yeah, I was thinking of Bobby Joe Long, but I was thinking about all the bizarre shit that happens in Florida to begin with. Yeah, that's like true. Like fighting and humping trees. That's true, without a shirt. Because it's required. You have to take your shirt off. Yes. We, we're pretty sure if that's a law. If you want to fight a tree in Florida, you have to take off your shirt. Correct, because we've never done one story on no. our other show where it's been like uh, a man with a, with a Lakers shirt on fought a palm tree. You wouldn't have a Lakers shirt on in Florida, but okay. Okay, whoever. It would have been jazz, but that's okay. I I don't watch sports. I know. I know so, you don't. So, whatever. I know the Lakers come from L.A. because I, I live there. Okay, well then. But that's all I know. But he, he might be a Lakers fan. But, or, you yeah. know, a man in a wife beater humped a tree. You don't hear that. You hear, like, a shirtless man wrestled an alligator, yeah. humped a tree, and then told kids about morality. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're so stupid. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I can I can name one particular story we did on the Scotty and Squatch show 
where it started off with a guy was yelling at a group of playing basketball. Yeah. Yes. It, was it playing basketball? Yeah. Like there was a school. You no, know, they were all playing basketball at a park or whatever, and he yelled at them because they weren't doing it right or something. Yeah. There was that one, but there was another one that was like a bunch of kids from school or something like that. Um, yeah, they were like on a field trip or yeah. some shit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember now. then he got pissed off and he went and he starts fighting the tree. Mm-hmm. And then the cop shows up and, hey, why are you fighting the tree? Oh, well, it's okay. You don't have a shirt on, so that's... You're, <laughs> you're, you're well within your rights. You're well within your rights, <laughs> sir. And then he clocked the cop. Yeah. And the cop saw, okay, look, you can't clock me without a shirt on. It yeah. says right here, trees, alligators, and badgers. You can do that too, but police, it says no, no. It actually says no, no. It doesn't just say stop. It just says no, no. You see, it says shirt and a slash to it and no, no. You can't, you can't hit the cop. And that's how he went to jail. Yeah. You're so dumb. I'm just trying to get to the okay. root of this Florida thing because tell me that he is one of the most brutal yeah, killers, the horrific murders, yeah. Or horrific in Florida blows my mind because I would yeah. think that there's got to be 10 other people who've done horrific, fucked up things mm. in this state. Yeah, well, you'll find out here in a minute. I'm all ears. Yeah. So Danny Harold Rawling was born in Shreveport. Where's that again? Louisiana. Thank you. In May of 1954. <laughs> I love it when you do that. That's fabulous. His parents were Claudia and James Rawling. Now, the sad part for um, for Danny and his siblings was that James never wanted to have children. Um, he was a police officer that took every opportunity he could to inflict abuse on his wife and their children. Um, you know, Danny was barely one year old the first time his father chose to abuse him. Apparently, James didn't feel like his, his baby son was crawling appropriately, so he beat the child. What the fuck? Yeah. In 1955, Danny's younger brother, Kevin, was born, and the abuse intensified. Um, Claudia, his mother, attempted to get away from the abuse of marriage numerous times, but she would return each and every time she tried to get away. Uh, When Danny was in the third grade, uh, he seemed to be ill quite a bit. Um, And as a result, he flunked that year. Um, And so with the stress of dealing with his schooling, Claudia had a mental breakdown. Um, According to reports from Danny's school counselors at the time, he was said to also be suffering suffering from an inferiority complex with aggressive tendencies and and poor impulse control. Nothing that you just said surprises me. Me neither. Yeah, the diagnosis would follow him throughout his entire life. Not just a diagnosis, but his mom having a breakdown. Oh, I know. Here you are. Number one, you're in an abusive relationship with a fucking cop. Yeah. And while we all want to say... Justice is fair, and the cops would never protect another cop if they were... Bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah, they will. They'll be like, um, we lost a report. This is what happened. Yeah, Just keep and a lot a of women who are married to police officers who are abusers don't file reports for that reason. Exactly. Because the officer that takes the report will go to his friend, who's the police officer that's doing the abusing, and talk to him before he turns in the report. I'll tell you, I, I've been kind of bagging on cops this week, and I am sorry to law enforcement, because I... The show and Twisted Blue LLC do support law enforcement. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, we're just simply talking about the 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 occurrences that happen 
when right. the shit actually does happen. Right, exactly. Uh, we're, we're, we're not against you. We're not directly bagging on you so much as just pointing out a few, few flaws. And nothing's perfect. Right. Now, this, I mean, this part of the story actually made me think of you. Oh, shit. Yeah, you ready? When Danny was 11 years old, he thought he found an outlet to deal with the abuse his father was doling out. That's when he picked up a guitar and learned how to play it. Holy, no, honest to God, yeah. that's, that's me. He was that's how I dealt with my abuse. Yeah, he was frequently seen strumming the instrument and singing hymn-style songs. However, soon the music wouldn't be enough. Shortly after he turned 11, Claudia was admitted to a mental institution. She had attempted to commit suicide by slicing her own wrists. After that, Danny turned to drugs and alcohol to try to help him cope. But Once that again, only made his sounds like me. Eagle Ego even more so. Yeah. That sounds like me because I didn't have a self-esteem growing up. Yeah, well, cause, Zero. Because when I was reading this, I was like, oh, my God. But by the grace Fuck. of God, go you, huh? No shit. Because music seriously saved my life. Right. You know, and granted, I did turn to drugs and alcohol. Right. Um, I never in a million years thought that I would build a, a company. Right. Based on something that... Like music. Yeah. Something that I do naturally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go, dude. Yeah. Fucking go, Danny. That's the seriously, I wish he would have just stuck with guitar because it's uh it's an amazing outlet. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like I said, I mean, there was beginning of the story I was reading, I was like, Oh my god. So I'm already feeling sorry for this yeah. dude. This is like a kindred spirit to me right now. Yeah. When Danny was fourteen years old, one of the family's neighbors discovered he had been peeking in their windows to watch their daughter. Uh, so when his father found out, Danny received a beating for it. Uh, Danny, that's fucked up because that's not really unusual, man. It's not. It's a teenage, it's teenage boy. behavior. Um, it's, it's creepy. Don't get me wrong. It's right. creepy. But still, he's a teenage boy. Right. You and, sit him down and, dude, don't look yeah, in little Donna's okay. fucking window. That's that's yeah. not cool, okay? Yeah, but I mean, it's I mean that happens. That's boys, you know? Well, no shit. Between that and that, that, that's like saying, and he got a beating because he had a... Playboy magazine that was jerking yeah. off. That's boys. That's what the what the fuck we do when we're teenagers. That's true. This is true. <laughs> um, however, Danny still tried to keep his emotions in check. He struggled to control his urges by attending church on a regular basis. When he was old enough, he also tried to hold down a steady job. When that didn't seem to be working, he went and enlisted in the military. At first, he tried to enlist in the Navy, but for some reason, they wouldn't accept him. Because he wouldn't go down with the seamen. There come the jokes. He wound up joining the Air Force, but it didn't take long for him to be disenchanted with the military. He continued using drugs and then added LSD to the mix. As a result of the intense drug use, he quit the military. Well, you can't fly when you're that high, man. You think you see weird shit when you're on the ground. (laughs) I know. After his discharge, he met a woman and married her in the hopes he could have what he thought was a normal life. However, as we have seen so many times before, the cycle of abuse continued. When Danny was 23 years old, after only being married for four years, his wife filed for divorce and he seemed to be devastated. Apparently, he had threatened to kill her and she wasn't going to take the risk. Smart woman. Yeah. No, honestly, I feel sorry for Danny, but that's uh, I I gave that PSA uh, last week, I think it was, or could have been this week. No, it was last week. Uh, that if you're in an abusive relationship, get the fuck out of it if you can, because yeah. people don't change. Yeah. Like, you know, it, you can change, but it takes a lot of work, and most people won't put that effort in to, to make that change. True. 
1977, after the divorce was final, his devastation morphed into rage. When he couldn't take it any longer, he sought out a woman that resembled her quite a bit and raped her. A little later that year, he was in a car accident that resulted in the death of another woman, and he became even more troubled. Um, so he was a powerfully large man. He stood over six foot two and beginning in the late seventies through the nineties, he committed multiple petty crimes, which included theft. Okay. To get cash, he graduated to committing armed robbery. As a result of all the criminal behavior, he entered the revolving door of the criminal justice system and wound up doing time in your home state, Georgia, <laughs> Mississippi, Louisiana, and Bama. Like that? I'm Damn. not scared of you, but, you know. He done hit all the southern states. He done hit them all. Yeah, yeah. All, the only thing he was missing was the Carolines and I, Virginia. That's true. According to reports, Danny couldn't hold down a job because he would either quit or get fired. There's a shocker. Yeah. Then when he went to prison on several occasions, he actually managed to escape. His life was on a downward spiral, and there didn't seem to be a way to get out of it. After he was let go from his last job, the bodies of three people were found in Shreveport. They were 24-year-old Julie Grissom, her 54-year-old father Tom, and her 8-year-old nephew Sean. Not long after they were killed, Danny returned home in worse shape than ever. By May of 1990, he couldn't take it anymore, and he snapped. That's when he took a gun and shot his 58-year-old father. Okay, so now I, I let's pause right there. Okay. This is where I'm already a little confused. Because twice this week so far, you've given me somebody who has no definitive victim pool. You'll, find, you'll hear in a minute. You'll find out here in a minute what I'm talking about. All right. Well, I'm hoping. Yeah. Oh, no. I was confused for a second. We're going to pause this for just one second, boys and but- all right, and we're back. Uh, had, uh... Sorry about that. Yeah, we had trigger treaters. <laughs> I feel bad. But <coughs> anyway, no, I'll explain this in a minute because to me this was out of place too, but it explains it here in a minute. So when he went back home and he shot his father, he shot his 58-year-old father, he shot him twice, which should have killed him. But he ended up surviving. James ended up surviving and lost both an eye and an ear in the incident. I can't blame him for shooting him. Yeah, me neither, actually. After shooting his father, Danny broke into another house and stole some documents that allowed him to change his identity. In late July, Danny Rowling left Shreveport and jumped on a bus out of town. When the bus arrived in Sarasota, Florida, he stepped off with a new name, Michael Kennedy Jr., hoping to start a new life. However, he soon found out that running away only made things worse. Um... On August 24th, 1990, Danny broke into the residence of Sonia Larson and Christina Powell. He followed the two University of Florida freshmen home, broke in, and overtook them. He taped their mouths shut using duct tape and bound their wrists together. Uh, He took one of the women, Sonia, and forced her to perform oral sex on him. After that, he brutally raped her and stabbed her to death. I got a quick question. I want to double back on something real fast. The the, the first three that he killed, did he did it say that they had any, were they known to him? Any correlation between them? Not that I know they were known. And I don't even think, he was never thought, of, they never thought of him as a suspect. 
he was not even on the radar as a suspect. So these are just apparently like random people, his first kills. Yes. And it sounds like these people yes. are random. The only one that he really knew is his dad, which, you know, yeah. hey, you popped your dad. He was a prick. I don't really blame yeah. him, man. I just fucking... So, and then after he, um, he brutally raped Sonia and stabbed her to death. When she was dead, he raped her corpse and mutilated her body. Fuck. He ended up removing both of his her nipples and kept one of them as his trophy. Oh, he Ed Ginder. Yeah. Well, no, Ed Gein didn't do that to his victims. He did that to the graves he robbed. Uh, I was going to say to the graves he robbed. I'm not yeah. I'm not saying that he did yeah. that to his victims. But then then he went downstairs to where he left Christina. He cut her clothes off using his knife and brutally raped her. When he was finished, he forced her to lie face down on the floor and he stabbed her in the back five times, killing her. When both women were dead, he took their bodies and posed them in a sexually provocative way. Before he left the building, he took a shower to clean himself up. Oh, at least he's clean. Okay. Not even a full day later, on October 25th, Danny used a K-bar knife and a screwdriver to pry open the sliding glass door at 18-year-old Christina Hoyt's apartment. She was not home at the time, so he simply waited around in her living room until she returned at 11 a.m. Had some popcorn, watched a little Pretty HBO. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. When she walked into the apartment, Danny jumped her from behind and overpowered her using a chokehold. Once he had her subdued, he taped her mouth shut with duct tape and tied her wrists together before taking her into a bedroom. When he had her in the bedroom, he cut her clothes away from her body and brutally raped her. When he was done, he forced her to lie face down so he could stab her in the back. He stabbed her with such force from behind that he managed to rupture her heart. Jesus Christ. Um, then he just left her there. Okay. After arriving at his next destination, he realized that he didn't have his wallet and thought he left it at her house. So Danny returned to the scene to retrieve it. When he walked in and saw her corpse laying there, he got an idea. He removed her head from her body and set a scene. This time he posed his victim's headless corpse at the edge of the bed and placed her head on a bookshelf overlooking the whole scene. Fucking yeah. hey, what the fuck? With the three murders, news had spread across the University of Florida Gainesville campus, and students were taking extra precautions. They began to change their routines and often gathered in groups at night to have sleepovers. Considering the fall semester had barely started, some of the incoming students either withdrew their applications or transferred to another university. On August 27th, 20-year-old Tracy Pauls and her 23-year-old roommate Manny Taboada were at home. Danny broke into their apartment via their sliding glass door in the same way he did Krista's. And he came across Manny, who was sleeping in one of the bedrooms. And after a brief struggle, he killed the man. When Tracy heard the commotions, she started to come out of her room, turned down the hall to Manny's room, and that's when she encountered Danny. She tried to shut her bedroom door and barricade it so he couldn't get to her, but he managed to break through the barricade. Once he was in her room, he taped her mouth shut, bound her wrists together, cut off her clothes, and raped her. In the same manner that he had killed the others, he forced her to lie face down and stabbed her in the back three times. After that, he posed her body in order to put it on display. And he left Manny's body where it fell when he killed, where he killed him. You know, because that wasn't part of his That's, Yeah, it's not part ritual. of his ritual. Yeah. All of these murders with, occurred within a two-mile radius of each other in the University of Florida's campus. All of Danny's victims 
with the exception of Manny in this spree, were petite brunettes with brown eyes. Law enforcement officials hardly had any leads in the beginning, but they managed to identify two suspects. The first one was a University of Florida student with a history of mental illness. The media jumped on this suspect because his image made for good ratings. He had multiple scars across his face that he had received in a car accident, and media outlets continuously flashed his photo across the screen. And even though the authorities publicly cleared him and the other suspect of all the charges after Danny was arrested, the media damage had already been done. Oh, yeah. And we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. That's what the media does. They, They focus on one fucking thing. They don't care if they destroy a life. Exactly. So not long after the University of Florida murders, the authorities in Florida received a call from the authorities in Louisiana And Louisiana told them about the unsolved triple murder from November 4th, 1989 in Shreveport. Shreveport authorities noted that the murders in Gainesville had similarities with the murder of the Grissom family, especially in the way that Judy's body, Julie's body had been mutilated and posed afterwards. Uh, Florida Department of Law Enforcement investigator Don Maines went to Shreveport to go over the crime scene to see if it was linked to theirs. And he noted that there were too many similarities to ignore, which included the way the victim was posed, the tape residue on the bodies, and one thing that had never been released to the public, the vinegar that was used to clean the body of the female victims. Oh. Yeah. There was DNA evidence left at the crime scene in Shreveport that came back to a person with type B blood. Now, remember, that's before the whole DNA, DNA thing. And they could just that. do right. blood type. What, what year was this again? Um, 89. It was 80. okay. 89.90. Okay. Just yeah. to make sure my brain's in the right yeah. area. So this matched evidence in the Gainesville murders and gave them a revelation in the case. Uh, not long after Investigator Maines' trip in November 1990, Crime Stoppers received a tip from a Shreveport resident named Judy Jurisich. Cindy Juris, excuse me, Cindy Jurisich. Her report stated that she felt Danny Rowling had a connection to the murders in both states. Uh, she had been traveling through the Florida Panhandle in August of 1990, and she'd heard the news reports about the Gainesville murders. After hearing the report, she started to think Danny had a link to all of them. Apparently, Cindy had met Danny at, church when she, at her hometown church in Louisiana, and he had said some things to her and her then-husband, Stephen Dobbin, that she felt were very disturbing. Uh, according to her, Danny had gone over to their house every night for a while, and then all of a sudden, one night, her husband came into the house and told her, he's got to go. And Cindy claims that Stephen informed her that Danny had a problem. When she asked him what kind of problem, he, her husband told her he likes to stick knives into people. At the time, she simply dismissed the comments. Okay. You know, we all do. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it before, I guess. However, after Cindy's trip to Florida, she got to thinking about something else Danny had said to her. He once told her, one day I'm going to leave this town and I'm going to go where the girls are beautiful and I can just lay in the sun and watch beautiful women all day. She had dismissed those comments at the time as well. Nothing unusual. I know, right? That's that's pretty normal. That's when the feeling that Danny might be involved in all of it wouldn't leave her. After thinking about it, she felt she couldn't just let it go and that's when she decided to call Crime Stoppers and tell them, I think there's one guy y'all need to investigate, Danny Rawlings. 
I know why he said y'all. That's I'm quoting her from, because it's from the south. That's like, making fun of me. I'm right, I'm cool. quoting her. I'm not making fun of you, hillbilly. <laughs> why don't y'all keep on with the story then? Whatever backwoods. <laughs> Backwood, Southern Georgia. Okay, what do we got? Authorities decided to investigate the tip that Cindy called in, and they had no difficulty locating Danny. He had already been arrested on September 7th of 1990 after robbing an Ocala supermarket. Ocala. Oh, whatever. Ocala. The supermarket robbery occurred 10 days after Tracy and Manny were found dead in their apartment. He was being held at the Marion County Jail, which was approximately 40 miles south of Gainesville. Investigators quickly found out that Danny had type B blood, so he couldn't be ruled out of any of the murders. They also realized that he had a record that included multiple armed robberies. With that information, they figured he may also be the perpetrator of a bank robbery that occurred on the exact day that Krista Hoyt's body, Poe's corpse, was discovered. Um, With all of their suspicions, they decided to go over the things that they had of Danny's in the evidence locker. That's where they had the gun, a screwdriver, a bag of money, and a cassette player of his stored. Now, they couldn't figure out why he had a cassette player. So the authorities um, searched... Because everybody needs a cassette player. Okay. So the authorities got a search warrant to search the small campsite that he had been staying at. And this campsite was located in a wooded area in close proximity to several apartment complexes where students from the university lived. At the campsite, they found several audio diaries and tools that matched markings left at the murder scenes. And when they listened to the tapes, they heard him allude to the crimes without outright admitting to them. Okay, Okay, hold on. But alluding to something. (sighs) But give me a minute. I don't know. Right now, I just think they're they're picking on him. That's all. Okay. Okay. They're picking Danny. on the poor guy. Picking on poor Danny. That's yeah. fucked up. Anyways, man. don't take Rowling, that shit, Danny. Play your guitar, buddy. Danny Rowling was charged with several counts of murder in November of 1991. Because they're picking on him. He wouldn't be brought to trial for almost four years after the last murder was committed. When the authorities asked him what motivated him to commit the crime, he told them he wanted to be a superstar like Ted Bundy was. Then a couple of other articles also stated that he was hell-bent on murdering eight victims, one for every year he'd already spent in prison. Yeah. Damn, Danny, you shouldn't have invented that shit, man. You should have just said, I wasn't murdering nobody. I was just trying to be... I was framed. I was framed. I was just trying to be a guitar man. Yeah. Before his trial could even begin in 1994, Danny surprised everyone by pleading guilty to all of his charges. Damn it, Danny. This led the state attorney just to start the penalty phase of the trial. During this phase, it was revealed that Danny suffered from antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and paraphilia. On April 20th, 1994, Danny Rowling was sentenced to death. When the court TV... TV station interviewed Claudia, his mother, at her home. Viewers could hear James shouting at someone off camera. Because he's a dick, man. So, um, not long before Danny was executed, to be executed in Florida for the Gainesville murders, he admitted to killing the Grissom family in Shreveport. He gave his confession to Reverend Mike Hudspeth, his spiritual advisor, in the form of a handwritten statement on the night of his execution. (laughs) Want to hear it? Oh, please do. I have it. Hang on. Oh, now i got to wait for that page alone. Dang it! Feeling bad for Danny, though, man. I know, huh? It's a rough life. I mean, I don't condone him no, me killing neither. all those people, but... Okay, there's a couple of parts to this. The first part says, I know that sorrow 
that heartfelt hold on that heartfelt bane that that draws the mortal flame stone upon stone the final throw etched hither tell the capture soul this is his handwriting that's why i'm say, having trouble i was just I was gonna say yeah. it must be handwritten and yeah. you're trying to decipher it yeah. like uh like uh someone in else order to name. fulfill all things that no stone be unturned hereby i make a formal written statement concerning the murders of Julie, Tom, and Sean Grissom in my hometown of Shreveport, Louisiana. He goes from, like, print to cursive to print. It's weird. Um, uh, let's see. Louisiana. Hal Carter, Julie Grissom's former fiancé, is 100% innocent, totally pure of that crime. I and I alone am guilty. It was my hand that took those precious lights out of this this old dark world with all my heart and soul would I would I could bring them back. Being a native son of Shreveport, I can only offer this confession of deep felt remorse over the loss of such fine outstanding souls. Have wept an ocean of tears by which mournful doth float upon a sea of regret. Danny Rowling. Holy fuck, man. Yeah. So, he participated in his last meal after that ritual, which he ordered lobster tail. Which, who wouldn't, right? Right, yeah. It's, it's your last <laughs> meal? Hell yeah. yeah. I specifically tell him. Oh, from Maine. From Maine, or somewhere in the Atlantic. Don't give yeah. me no Pacific bullshit fucking lobster tails. Yeah. So, on October 25th, 2006, the U.S. Supreme Court rejected Danny's last-ditch appeal efforts... Um, as Danny was being led into the death chamber, he was singing a gospel hymn that gave, but gave no formal statement. Some reports that I read even indicated that he was singing this hymn as they strapped him down to the gurney to administer the lethal injection. The execution was witnessed by several members of his victim's families, and he was pronounced dead at 6.13 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. Okay, honestly, I think that while his... His crimes were obviously grotesque right. and heinous. Yeah. He should have been put into a mental institution. Yeah. Because he's a prime example. Kind of like Bobby Long. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to call it right now before you even ask. That's nurture. One hundred fucking You're going to let me say my thoughts or are you just going to jump into my questions? Fine. <laughs> Give me your goddamn thoughts because... This kid had the shit knocked out of him by this peckerwood. Right. His dad gets a douche canoe award for this episode. Yeah. So when I first started my deep dive into the life and crimes of Danny Rowling, I was a little perplexed. It seemed that every article or report that I could find on him barely scratched the surface. And what I mean by that is most of the articles hint at what he had done, but none of them seemed to give any sort of detail. I had to piece it together, you know? Mm. Um, in the beginning, I found myself truly empathizing with him on some level. As I've shared numerous times, as we just shared in this episode, I'm a survivor of child abuse. You are a survivor of childhood abuse. I've always said that if it weren't for my mother trying to make my childhood as well as the childhood of my siblings somewhat as normal as she could, who knows how I would have turned out. As it is, I spent a lot of years making bad choices as a way to cover my pain. Um, I don't know what it would have been like had my mom checked out as it seems Danny's mother did. 
However, my, I'm also going to go on the record and say that just because you were raised a certain way, it does not excuse you for treating others horribly as well. At some point, it's no longer a matter of what was done to you. It becomes what it it becomes what you make a choice to do. I agree. However, that being said, um, I don't feel he should have had the death penalty. And I agree. Because extenuating circumstances, could he not have received mental health treatment like Bobby Joe Long? I mean, because we talked about him. Correct. You know? Well, Bobby Joe Long gets a, a, a huge pass because of the brain injuries. The brain injuries. But who's saying he didn't suffer from brain injuries? He was beaten at the age of one for crying and out loud because he couldn't thinking, crawl. Yeah, cause, and his... his Skull's not that hard at one year old. Exactly. It's still forming. Right. Um, you know, uh, that's what I was saying. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have even been put in prison. A mental institution, for a couple reasons. For scientific reasons, he's a right. great study. Yeah. You get his background, you kind of, you can, you can study um, the after effects of abuse, right. not just physical, right. but mental as well, and verbal abuse, mm -hmm. throughout a lifespan, and the steps that he took to correct himself. Right. You know? Um, that, and maybe teach him... It sounds to me like he was looking for something that would give him some comfort dealing with his own personal yeah. demons, you know? like for, Just like me, he turned to music. Mm -hmm. The only difference is... I'm not murdering people. I create a company. Right. Um, you know, and, but it had it not been for, for music, I probably would be doing the same thing he did. Yeah. Maybe not as grotesque. Probably not. But I may have made that same choice. Yeah. Then he, he chooses the church. Yes. You know, which well, I a don't. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. I don't recommend it. Only for me, because I don't believe in organized religion. That's just me. That's my own personal deal. Because, you know, I don't need the Christians suing us like the Catholics are going to anyway. Yeah, well, we already know that one. But if you have a choice, don't I'm go to a Catholic the church. i the door. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Don't go to a Catholic church unless you want to get your kids molested. But, um... You're so bad. That's horrible. Not all priests molest kids. No. <laughs> Just most of them. No, um, but yeah. But yeah, you know, so he's searching for kind of a way to... Okay, so like for me, I had music, went to college... I was a student counselor all through high school, uh, you know, taking some psychology classes. Um, I took psychology classes in, in college, um, you know, and it wasn't so I could be a therapist. No. I had to fix me. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I was still very violent, you know, uh, not so much, well, there, there was physical violence in there, but a lot of verbal abuse as well, so abusive, right. until I found the program that clicked and worked for me. Right. And that's when I told you about it was through uh, my, my previous shrink uh, named Carl Landerholm, who's retired now. Right. And it was only because I was forced to get into uh, this program. Mm -hmm. It was court-ordered that, that I take these classes. And I have a feeling that Danny could have possibly gone along that same path mm -hmm. to where if you put him in a mental institution and you, you kind of figure out, because everybody has something different that makes them tick. Right. They have that thing that really hits them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So took a shit ton of psychology classes, 
So I knew what I was up against. Right. I knew me. I knew, I knew my own psychology and my own psychopathy. The, mm-hmm. the, the whole shebang about it. Right. Specifically did a lot of research and a lot of research papers on... Um, you had two fucking bowls. Okay. Put it down there. I'll, I'll get it. Um, uh, you know, on, on, on abusive behavior. Right. Behaviors. And, uh, you know, I still couldn't fix myself. Right. Because so I've got all this information. I know what I should be doing. I just don't know how to. You don't know how to do it. Put it in play. Right. You know what? What's the where, where do you start with it? Right. And uh, for me, it, it was realizing that it's a long road. Yeah. And taking those steps. Yeah. So Carl helped me out through that whole process, and I'm a better person today. Right. I mean, uh. I do have my moments when I get pissed off and I, you know, spout things out of my mouth, but um, I'm not out there actively seeking to fistfight anybody anymore. I'm not out there, you know, saying the most horrific things to people for the specific intent of tearing them down to make myself feel better. Right. So I think that Danny Rowling falls into that same category. But unfortunately, this is the 80s into the 90s. Yeah. So a lot of these tools that we have today... Weren't there. Weren't there. Yeah. You know, and I went through uh, Carl's classes 10 years ago. Um, and I, it's a one-year program, as I said before. I stayed for three years in total. Right. Um, because I, I help mentor and, and things like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I... I don't see why, especially knowing that he was seeking out other forms of catharsis. Um, I think a program like that would have worked well for him. Yeah, early on. Yeah, yeah early on. Early yeah. on. You know, even after his first killings, the first yeah. time he was, you know, caught or whatever, a program like that I think would have worked fantastic for him. Yeah. Uh, and everybody sure. comes out ahead. You get the scientific data mm-hmm. from studying him. You get somebody who can be reintroduced into society who now has a support system. Right. And that's so key. Yeah. To have a support system. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, obviously we don't really need to talk about nature and nurture because we're both in agreement on this. It was his dickhead dad. It's a fucking that douche canoe son of a yeah, bitch. Yeah, he had the misfortune of being born into that family. Um, if his first wife hadn't have divorced him when she did, do you think he would have killed her eventually? Yes. You do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. But And here's why. Here's why. What other training did he have? Right. What other, other lessons did he learn yeah. growing up on how to handle a problem? Yeah. And the bottom line is what he was taught all of his life, the behavioral conditioning, mm-hmm. comes down to if you're a dude and you need to control your family, you need to control your wife, or you don't get your way or whatever... You do this. You become abusive. Yeah. And that'll snap him in the line. That's what he knows. Even if he knows it's wrong, and he does know that that is wrong, that is what he knows. That's, that's his, his natural output based on the nature. Right. That's, yeah, natural, based on the nurture that he got, nurturing right. that he got growing up right. as he was being programmed. It's right. behavioral conditioning. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. Um, 
Considering it was kind of a brief cooling off period between the Shreveport murders and the Gainesville murders, do you think that there might actually be some earlier victims? I was tumbling that around. I'm on the fence. I'm 50-50. I'm thinking maybe. Yeah. You know, but then I start thinking about it was very shortly after his wife divorced him that no, he became... that he would he raped that girl shortly after his wife divorced oh that's right the killings were before yeah. he got married right yeah no no the killings were much later much, okay it's yeah. confused on a fucking timeline yeah the killings were later i think that if him and his wife could have worked it out yeah it would have had a definite different outcome but then again this is one of those cases it would require a shit ton of counseling Right. A shit ton. I'm not saying impatient. Mm-hmm. But couples counseling as well as individual counseling to kind of show them that there, there, there's other ways to handle things. There's other outlets. Right. You know, and to really, people say, let's bring him back to Jesus because it's a church barren place. Fuck that. Bring him back to music. Yeah. Because what, what better way of expression is there? Yeah. No, totally. I mean, no, I I kind of agree with you. Um, Now, do you think that he would have had more victims had he not been arrested for the supermarket robbery? 100%. Yeah. Because that is what he knows. He knows violence. Yeah. That is what he is. That's his behavioral conditioning since he is practically born. Right. And I'll bet you, let's take his one-year-old beating out out of the mix. Okay. I will bet from the time that he got home from the fucking hospital, there was some form of violence. Yes. All the way through. Whether it's mom getting the shit knocked out of him, uh, out of her, or siblings, mm-hmm. or the yelling, the screaming, the, the, right. the, the harsh words that come out of people's mouths, right. the calling of names, all the controlling behaviors that go into that. Oh, yeah, totally. And that's being programmed into him at the time when a child learns the most, from birth to nine months old. Yeah. That is when they are getting so programmed with this vast amount of information that they're absorbing Mm -hmm. and storing. Because it's a brand new brain. It's a clean fucking slate. All it knows is eat, sleep, and shit. Yeah. That's all it knows. Yeah. And... Taking that basic programming and you're adding all this bullshit to it. Right. He knows violence. Yeah. He doesn't know peacefulness. Right. And then considering that they didn't even think of him as a sus- suspect in any of this until that tip came into Crime Stoppers, had he gotten out on the robbery charge, do you think he would have continued to go on killing after that too? Yes. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, no doubt about okay. it. That's why I was saying for him. Yeah. Before. Before, when they got the, the, the tip on Crime Stoppers, mm-hmm. they should have done a mental eval on him. Yes. Immediately, which it sounds like they did, because mm-hmm. we got the borderline personality yeah. disorder. We have... Uh, uh, yeah, antisocial. Antisocial and, and things pedi- like that. Pediophilia or something like that. What is pediophilia? That's, that's, pedophilia. That's, I'll have to look it up. Hang on. Give me a minute. That's the teenage girls, right? I think so. Don't quote me. Don't want anybody. Paraphilia, that's what Paraphilia, that was it. Let me, uh, He's having sex with parasols? Okay. Parachuters? You, you are done. <laughs> there are just times when you should just not talk anymore, and that's one of them. Never had sex with a parachute before, but they're silky. I bet you're going to try it now, huh? Yeah, probably. 
Uh, a condition characterized by abnormal sexual desires, typically in- involving extreme or dangerous activities. Having sex in general is dangerous. Because women are nuts. And don't ever stick ginger in your butthole. Weirdo. You're just over there cracking I up, don't aren't keep, you? I don't put ginger in my butthole, but no, I, I had to keep my mouth shut because I almost said something mean. Nah, I'm used to that. Okay, so he, he they obviously did it an eval on him. Right. This is somebody, when you're looking... It, it, if they research, uh, we know about his past. We know all that shit. They're talking to his mom. I'm sure mom uh, piped up at one point and said, look, man, this, he had a fucked up childhood. Yeah. You research that and you go, okay, this is, a, this is a learning opportunity. And it goes both ways. Let's learn from him. At right. the same time, let's see if we can kind of teach an old dog new tricks. Right. Because there's no one program out there when it comes to uh, kind of changing your life from being extremely violent to being just assertive. Right. You know, there's no one program. There's, it's not a one fifth, one size fits all thing. Right. It's not. Um, what there is, is different programs. Yeah. So you figure out what works with that person. Right. And, you know, in the hopes that, that this person can become, be able to release him back into kind of society under supervision, of course. The dude did some horrific things, so he should be checking in. Yeah. And he should be closely monitored. Yeah. He should have to go to a halfway house for at least a year or so. Yeah. If not longer, yeah. Yeah, if not longer, uh, in order to prepare him to be a normal member of society and have somebody or, you know, or a group of people that he can contact when he feels like, hey, I really want to go fucking stab somebody or rape him. That you can get a hold of. Yeah. And go, hey, look, I need some help. Yeah. I need some help now. Right. Like being an alcoholic. Yeah, true. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I do. Um, so what do you make of him singing the hymn instead of making a final statement or none at all? Sometimes the most powerful thing that you can ever say in your life. Is nothing. Is absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah. And this was his last ditch effort at comfort for himself. Yeah. That's it. Nothing more. No, I don't think less. so either. Yeah. He was no, just he was trying I, to comfort I himself. Because I read some reports um, that stated that it might have been his defiance towards having to say anything to his victims' families. But that's not the sense I got no, from it. I don't get that feeling. Yeah. Um, now, my final question for you. Um, yes, I am the sexy in real life. That was not my question. And yes, I do have a thong on. Good thing I have. Oh, my God. Good thing I have what I wanted to say written down because you totally would have wiped it from my memory. Um, do you believe that he was truly remorseful for the Shreveport murders, like he said in his confession? Yeah. I okay. think that he had made peace with his God. Yeah. And, and that he had true remorse for it. Yeah. Because he could have gone to his grave without even saying anything. Yeah, without saying it. a goddamn thing. Yeah. And I think that's why he admitted to it, you know. Um, barring that there is that statement, I wanted to be famous like Bundy. Yeah. But there's a big difference between when that statement was given and the end of his life. This is true, too. As you get closer to your end of life, people tend to want to make peace with God, find religion, change religions, do something meaningful. Yeah. 
So he's got nothing to gain by giving up this information yeah. about a family that, that, that law enforcement probably had already forgotten about. Yeah. It's an old murder. Or they really had already considered him the suspect and were going to pursue it because he was already going to the death yeah, chamber so, anyways. Yeah, what are they going to do? Waste $100,000 on a trial yeah. and then go, oh, well, we can't do shit. We found him guilty, but he's going, he's going to be he's dying from lethal injection. Yeah. It makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. So he's got nothing to gain. He's got nothing to lose. Yeah. The only thing that he can gain from this is the peace of mind knowing that he has settled up his affairs. Wow. No. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, it's just questions that I have. Because I'm sure other people are asking them, too. No, no. I, you're looking at me like, like, he looks like he's mad at me, and I'm not. I'm just, no, I'm, I know I'm, you're not mad I'm at me. I'm just very passionate about Mr. Yeah. Rowling, because I feel for him, man. I've if been I thought you were mad road. at me, I'd be like, okay, dude, chill. I didn't do it to you. Because I've, I've been down that no. road without an abusive dad. Yeah. And having the fuck knocked out of me every goddamn day. Yeah. Every, every time you turn around. Day. Yeah. yeah. I know. Breathing. I hear you. For fucking breathing. Oh, yeah. Literally, for fucking breathing. Yeah. I remember I got the shit knocked out of me because I said, somebody, my stepdad asked me to do something and I didn't understand what he had said. And I was only like maybe five. And I said, why? And I started to say why and what at the same time. And he knocked the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. It's like, how dare you question? It's like, I wasn't questioning you. I was trying to get clarity. My dad know? would always say this. Boy, you're going to do it. If you have a question, I'm going to tell you one time. If you have a question, you can ask because there ain't no third time about it. Yeah. So at least we got a question out of it. But most of the time, I got the shit knocked out of me. Yeah. I mean, I was... Like I said, I was like five, and I, so I was trying to say what and why at the same time, and yeah, I got the shit knocked out of me. Yeah, so I, I totally feel I could have been Danny Rowling really yeah. easily, really fucking easy. Yeah, I mean, because when I was reading that story, I was like, holy shit. Fuck. Yeah. I was, you know, because it was like, I was listening to you again. Yeah, no shit. You know? It's like, this is like the story of my life, except that... Yours didn't end up this way. I didn't end up decapitating anybody or raping anybody. Yeah, or posing st- them or... Yeah. Nothing of that nature. That's where him and I separate. Yeah. You know, the violence is the same. Yeah. You know, we're both violent people, but I never murdered anybody or raped anybody. That we know of. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, people. Everybody I've killed had it coming. Okay, okay. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> goddamn asshole at the goddamn 7-Eleven broken-ass Slurpee machine. Oh, teach those assholes. Damn it. Teach them to break down on the, the purple Slurpee. <laughs> it was the banana, thank you very much. Oh, it wasn't the purple. It was bullshit. No, we don't have any banana. Fuck you. <laughs> we have no bananas today. Guess what? They got it there now. Oh, yeah. We're so bad. That's terrible, man. We are horrible. <laughs> I do that whenever I talk about 7-Eleven or any convenience store. The uh, Naked who? The, the Any convenience store. Oh, I thought you said naked emu. I'm like, what? Why would you dress <laughs> in emu? That's what I heard. Now, this is a different episode. Why? Miss Tammy, why would you ever dress in emu? That's well. You live. Where, I heard naked emu. That's what I heard. You, where you live across from Catholic school with the boy touching and sausage. I festive. heard naked emu. Oh my god! I'm thinking of naked emus. <laughs> go on, You're go welcome. On. I could do anything with a feather for a dollar. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks a lot. 
You are welcome. All right, let's wrap this one up. Yeah. <coughs> Big stretch. We're all tired. Oh, my God. <coughs> Son of a bitch. There you go. Fabulous. All right. Remember, check out the website, www.twistedbluellc.com. That's a clung. <laughs> Sound like you were choking on something. I was. There was a lot of spit in my mouth, a lot of moisture. Mm-hmm. Lubing up. Mm-hmm. A little spit and determination, yeah. Let's try that one again. Your son's boyfriend's not here, so. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Charles. I know. Check out the website, www.twistedbluellc.com. You can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check us out on Medium. Crime Beat, that's on Medium. Hub pages and vocal media and just about a, a whole lot of places that carry our blog. Yeah. Because it's the damn list is just getting bigger and better. Bigger and bigger and better. That's yep. what I was after. That's God, what you were trying dude. to say. <laughs> I'm dying. Like tell. seriously, because there's so many fucking allergies right now it's out horrible. here. We're not even in pollen season. We were talking mm-hmm. earlier, like I went out to my truck that I just had washed, and there's pollen everywhere. Yeah, we're almost in November. Like pollen season for us is gone. It ended in June. Well, maybe July. Yeah, I usually I usually <coughs> feel it around the end of August too. Me not so much. Yeah, I have year round though, so it doesn't. I got year round too, but then coming out there and seeing my my freaking truck covered in pollen, I'm all, the fuck. Pollen season ended four score and a couple of months ago. The fuck is this? I'm looking at Mother Nature, going, look, bitch, you need a calendar. This is what you need. Mark yeah. this shit because it's done. Yeah. So yeah, that was fabulous. So now I'm feeling like shit. Yeah. Well. This show's copyright 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will catch you, boys and girls, next week. Bye-bye. Bye.